0: welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful to have you. If you're a visitor today, we welcome you. We're so grateful that you're here. If you, when the pass, uh, when the um, sign-in sheet goes by, if you'll give us uh, any kind of contact information that you would like us to have, we will contact you that way. We have sermons in the back. If, if you're hard of hearing, you can have a sermon. It's there every week uh, in the back, and you can follow along with the sermon. And we have restrooms in the back if you're a visitor and you need a restroom. Um, A couple of announcements. Confirmation starts the first Sunday in February. We're going to keep it at the 10 o'clock hour. We're going to keep it during Sunday school so that it's uh, as convenient as possible. We're going to meet in February and March in the Sunday school hour. The typical confirmand is a sixth grader. But if you have children that are above the sixth grade that have not participated in confirmation they're welcome to participate. You just come up and tell me after the service and I'll make sure I get your um, contact information for that. Um, Sunday night program begins again tonight. The children and youth can eat pizza at 5 p.m. in the FLC. It's provided for them. Then they go to their different programming. Um, starting at 530. Adults start at 6 p.m. I believe at one point in an email at some time this week it said 5. It's at 6. It's always at 6. Adults. You'll meet in the social hall and Bob and Bobby McQuaid uh, will teach you uh, in that class. It's a great class. It's fun. The good news of the week is that our concert, our second concert in our concert series, as you saw, if you came in this store we have posters, um, is coming up two weeks from yesterday be at 7.30. It's in the FLC and it's done by the Praise Band from our 9 o'clock service. They're going to have three different segments of music which are different from one another, all of them fun. They've been working very hard. They're supremely talented and I invite you to come and support them in that effort. If you see the poster around campus, you'll see that our third one uh, will be coming up, will be uh, with Lauren and with the handbells um, combined with First Press's handbells. And so um, you notice that on the poster as well. I believe that's enough announcements for everybody. Uh, Church Council today at 3 p.m. in the social hall. That'll be a brief meeting. Let's begin our worship service. Please stand as you're able and join us in our first hymn, C Key First, and it's on page 405, one page over. Please be seated. We have the children come forward for the children's sermon.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about commitments that we make as Methodists. And to do that we have to promise to give our tithes, our talents, and our time. So that's what we're going to talk about. Do you know what presence means? Have you ever heard of presence? What is it? It's like something that you give other people. Okay, we just went through a period of time where we were talking about presents, and I have some boxes here. Do you think presents might be in this box? It could be, yeah. During Christmas time, a friend of mine had, um, had her little grandson to come over and open his presents, and he was disappointed. She gave him two gifts, and he said to her, is that all? And sometimes we as humans, in our human condition, we say things like that. When we get a present, we say, is that all? But that's not the kind of presence I'm talking about. I'm I'm not talking about gifts. I'm talking about being in the moment. Right now, you are giving me your presence by being right here, right now. And you look like you're focusing on what I'm saying. And that's what being present means. So in the church, when you give your time, you are giving your presence and you're giving your thoughts and everything, your very being to God. Well, when the little boy asked his grandmother, is that all? I thought about this sermon and I thought, is that all indeed? Because one of God's greatest gifts is something that we can't see. Can you open this for me? Just open it up. Keep going, open it all the way. Is there anything in there? No, but really there is. That is the greatest gift God gives us, is his presence. And we can't see it, and sometimes we can't feel it. But by faith and by grace, we know that it's there, don't we? We know that God's with us all the time. And so we have to give back to him too by being present. And Psalm 4710 says... Stand silent, know that I am God, and I will be honored by every nation in the world. Okay, that means be still. Think about what you're doing. Be still and know that God is with us. Even if you can't see it, even if it's just an empty box, it is not all there is. There's so much more. So you give God your presence by paying attention and being in the moment with him, and he gives us his presence as the greatest gift ever because he's with us all the time. So I'm going to give you a box in a minute, and I want you to take it, and you can open it, and you might be able to close it again. I don't know. But you get to take it with you to remind you about the presence of God and how you can be present. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being present with us, and thank you for allowing us to be present in yours. Help us to focus and help us to do what you want us to do. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of my love. Feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let it sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from. Take my silver and my gold Not a mite would I withhold Take my intellect and use Every power as thou shalt
3: choose
2: Take my will Is thine own, it shall be thy.
4: can't beat that singing. Sorry. So hopelessness is commonly used to describe broken people. They have nowhere to turn, nothing they can do to change the circumstances of their lives. The theme of light shining in darkness is the most powerful message to give to such hopeless people. No matter the darkness, no matter how difficult it seems to shrug off, one needs only to think of how turning on a light can bring a whole change to the dismal situation. For Christians, this light comes from God. When he sent Jesus into the world, he is a light that shines in every Christian light. Our uh, lesson is Isaiah 1 through five, starting on page 1155. And of course, my phone just lost it. I have a Bible, real quick. (laughs) When you depend on technology, it will always fail you. Thank you. So it's Isaiah 60, uh, verses 1 through 5, starting on page 1155, the glory of Zion. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you and to you the riches of the nations will come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let us pray. Lord, you have never asked anything of us that you were not first willing to do yourself. And so as we talk today about being present, we pause to remember all of the times in which you were present, before we ever understood it, before we tried to comprehend it, before we knew it, before we lived it. You were present and waiting for us. You created. You are creating. You restore. You love unconditionally. And so you set the tone for us forever. To be present amongst one another, participating in the great acts of worship, of restoration, of creation, of love, of mercy. We ask that as we open the text this day, that you may help us to understand it. And hold it dear in our heart that we may understand how we may serve you in this community in your name. Lead us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like you to turn in your bulletin to the part that has the attendance and financial report. And I want you to notice that what we received for our budget exceeded what we needed for our budget. One for one. I'm serious. When I walked in the door, we were in very real trouble. And it got worse as we went along until we really talked about it and everyone committed and everyone participated and everyone made a promise for this year. We don't have crazy, expensive plans for this church. We have things that we want to do that we think are right in the name of God in this community. And having your commitment to help us gives us comfort that we only have to do the hard work of the work of doing it. We don't have to worry week to week whether we're going to make it. I'm grateful for your commitment. And we are one for one. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. Be seated. Strange to me, but I love it. I don't recall the ushers handing me the offering being younger than me, and I assume that's the beginning of that for a very long time. Love it. Strange. Today we are talking about. That paragraph that you recite so often when we have baptisms and new members, where we pledge that we will support people with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service. And the new one, since we've had these printed, when the new ones come out, is witness. Witness is to simply tell people about these things that we love. We're using one of these words each Sunday in our worship services. And the culmination will be the word witness, which will be a combined service in the FLC on the 31st at 10 a.m. So we'll have one service on the 31st, and it will be in the FLC. And they did a tremendous job coming this way and supporting you because I got on them about it. And I'd love you to go that way and support them on the 31st. The children and the youth will help take over the service. So today we're talking about presence. Matthew 2, starting with verse 1. And it's found on page 1497 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. 1497. It's a text you've heard many times in your life, more than likely. But I want you to hear it anew with this particular theme today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The word of God for the people of God. Right. Thanks be to God. You can keep your Bible open. If, uh, I keep reading if you'd like to read along. So, the phrase that comes to mind in that first part of the passage is being the new person walking in the room. Is there ever a time when that's not difficult? It's hard to walk in a room, whether it be a doctor's office for the first time, whether it be a church, whether it be a school classroom, whether it be a school nursery. I'm consistently impressed by little children that come to this building, many of them for the first time, that are willing to go to another place. They just walked in, and now they're going with another person. Being that person in the room can be frightening. Now, there's a level of fear for me if I know no one, Because you've got to generate conversation. Far more frightening to me is if I potentially know people. And I'm supposed to know that I know those people. But being in that room and it not being totally secure who I am or what I'm supposed to do. Can be very frightening. And these men have come from another country. To this country. To say we're looking for the king. These particular guys in this particular situation are destabilizing everything and are going to cause real confusion because they have asked the king where the new king is. Kings don't like that. Kings want to remain the king and they don't like any sort of threat. Their number one thing would be to think who is the big violent person that's going to end what I'm doing or who is the crafty politician that's going to end what I'm doing. I wouldn't think any king outside of Pharaoh in the beginning with Moses and Herod here, they look and they see that baby and that baby is threatening my very existence in this spot. The new one walking in the room is a reason not to walk in that room. Verse 3 says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. What do we note here? People don't want any disruptions. Even if they don't particularly like the thing that they're doing and the way that they're doing it, at least they know that thing. The new thing could be just as bad, if not worse, and I don't even know the new thing, I'm going to have to learn the new thing. And so they say, can we just keep it the same? Can we, mm, can we just keep it the same, the same people? Now, the king was disturbed. That makes total sense. It says all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Why? Because they love King Herod? And they just can't imagine anybody else in that position? More than likely not more than likely he's a figurehead he can be ruthless he's doing any number of things to hold them down and control them just if somebody else comes in there might be more pain and it might come to my family there might be more loss of money and that might come to my family can we just keep it the same the people don't want any disruptions if, if you think if you've been in a room and you think you know the thing I say might be the truth but if I say it mm, it might be bad of the time you might not say it for that very reason. The movies that my dad loves to fall asleep to, he gets about 12 minutes into those movies in his chair. It's a western and the western town has this guy who's dominating everybody and pushing everybody around and if he wins at poker, give me your money. And if he loses at poker, well give me your money. And somebody comes in and they go through the doors and they're coming in and they're about to destabilize what's going on in this town is everyone in town who's not the bully excited that this new guy is here more than likely not because at least that new guy at least the bully isn't focusing his attention on me right now and if this guy ramps everything up it might be on me and I don't want any of that let's just keep it the same if I lose I lose if I win I'll whatever I'll give him my money not wanting a disruption is a reason not to go, is a reason not to do anything. I think it's great that King Herod wanted the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he wanted to break the scripture open, and he wanted to understand when the Messiah was coming. But look at verse 5. They said, In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So the research says he's coming. The research says there's a Messiah. Why does Herod want to go to the Scripture to understand what's coming? So that he can celebrate? So that he can be the person that leads the country into celebrating the birth of the Messiah? Mm -mm. You think Herod's a Scripture nerd? You think he's just diving into Scripture all the time trying to understand God's will? Or do you think he goes to scripture? Do you think they're reading it and they go, he says, go find it. And the people are like, uh, well, it says uh, it's supposed to be in Bethlehem. Um, It's going to be a baby. Bethlehem's tiny. This country's tiny. But somebody's coming and that tiny person's going to help this tiny country do something enormous. Isn't that cool? No. Oh, okay. Great. Right? Bully. Bully. I don't know how many of you have seen The Lion King or um, gone to seen the play at the Peace Center. Both of them are amazing, the movie and, and the play. And if you haven't seen it, there's an opening scene that really sets the tone for the movie. It might be one of my favorite scenes in all of movies. Is all of the animals coming together out in the um, wilderness. And they are coming to an enormous rock that's out over the wilderness. And there's a new lion cub and he's to be crowned the king. And the monkey comes. And the monkey, and I always got to tell my children, daddy's the monkey. It's true. The monkey comes and he's got his stick and, and, uh, and breaks open fruit and takes that fruit and marks the child and then takes the child and puts him out on the edge of the rock and shows him to the community. Go home and look at it. Watch it on YouTube again today. It's tremendous. Who's excited? You know, the people around there. Who's not excited? Scar, the lion. Why? because I sort of wanted to be king, okay? And you're getting in my way, infant. And I don't care for it. Herod said, find out when it's happening, where it's happening, so that I can go, so that I can end it. Verse 9. After they heard the king, this is the wise man, they went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose ahead of them, Wow, butchered that. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been mourned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know what's fascinating about that? Nothing deterred the wise men's travels and arrival to that infant. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> okay, that's probably me. Can we do it in this one? Off? Nothing <laughs> deterred the wise men's arrival to that infant. Let's go through the reasons why they should not go. They've got to go to a foreign land. Anybody want to go to a foreign land? Sometimes. Anyone want to go to an unstable foreign land? Mm Mm-mm. They had to ask the king where the new king was. Does that sound like fun? No. They went to his shady meeting where he said, make sure you tell me exactly what happens because I want to go and worship him too. That's a reason not to go. That's a reason to go home. Why is this town important? Why is this infant important? We're important. Why do we have to go to him? These are all reasons not to do it. But they showed up. Why does showing up matter? No, no, it's everything. It's everything. You know, we can work on skill, we can work on um, wisdom, but showing up is critical. So I'm going to challenge y'all in this moment to separate yourselves from your collegiate alliances. I need you to do it, okay? For this, for the sake of this illustration, I'm not a joke guy. I'm not a college guy. I'm just, I'm just giving you an illustration. There were people that could go to Clemson games. They could. Many of those people could not go to Arizona for any number of reasons. Did y'all see what they did when the team was leaving? They went and they lined up on the bridges of 85. And those young men who were going to do a frightening thing who are on that bus together wondering if, do we have what it takes, see people supporting them at every bridge on their way to the airport. You can separate yourself from whether you're a fan of this or of that. That's, I like that. How does that translate to what we're doing here at Memorial? Well, you make a pledge every single time we do that liturgy and we're gonna be doing it more and more in 2016. For you being present. You being present for children and for youth. So I can, you can get a piece of paper and you can get a pencil and you can write down all sorts of reasons why you don't need to be present. That your time is over. That you don't know what to do. That you wouldn't know where to sign. That it's somebody else's turn. That children are loud. But there's one reason to do it. Presence matters. I've been in so many different church settings and I have such a different balance of children in my different churches that I'll tell you, you do not want to have a church without children. Now, that's not a threat because we have children. What I want you to do is when you see a child and that child is doing this, (laughs) in a time when you might not normally do that, that your look matters. It does. The way you look at that child and that family matters. Why? Because they'll get how this church feels about that child being present and how you feel about being present for that child. It's that simple. And it matters. God will never ask something of us that God has not already done for all of humanity God has been present. God has been amongst us. What can you do in 2016? How can you participate? How can you help us support our children and our youth with your presence? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we seek our own interests, Forgive us when we suggest fatigue. Forgive us when we walk by children and youth passing up an opportunity to tell them how special they are to us and our family. Inspire us. Empower us. So that we may celebrate your children and youth because we know that they are not your future 20 years from now in this church. They are your critical presence in this moment. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our final hymn, Jesus Calls Us, number 398.